Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. WFAN, WFAN-FM, New York, on Radio.com station. Well, good morning, everybody. Yep. The secret's out. It's a radio.com station. Hmm. And you think to yourself, what does that really mean? There's one way to find out. Keep listening. And get that radio.com app, too, by the way. More on that a little bit later in our program. And good morning. I'm Bob Salter. You know, isn't it always interesting how this show starts much like I'm in the middle of a conversation with everybody who's listening? Because in my mind, literally, the conversation never stops. That's part of the key to this show. Some of you are thinking, what? What's he talking about? Well, on our program today, we're going to chat with a guest who has spoken with us in the past. We've done a number of shows on this topic. At this time of the year, the topic is adoption. And we've talked in the past about the annual adoptive parents, uh, uh, adoptive uh, parents committee uh, adoption conference, and the annual conference is taking place next Sunday, the 18th, at St. Francis College in uh, Brooklyn. We're going to give you some of the information on that. We'll talk about the topic of adoption. Sam Pitkowski is in studio with us on our program. He has joined us a number of times uh, previously. Good morning. Sam, it's always good to see you. Good morning. Good to see you. I hope you've been well. Uh, it's been a very interesting year. Um, I haven't been too well. Uh, had an AFib kind of thing earlier in the year. I'm doing much better now and able to get around. But uh kind of woke me up to uh, spending a little more time home and kind of relaxing and kind of retiring from regular work. Oh, Okay. So volunteering has now become 80% of my day instead of uh, 20% of my day. Okay. Now, I say Adoptive Parents Committee, and you and I probably will automatically think that people who are listening to us are going to know exactly what we're talking about in terms of the organization. But for those who don't know, and this may be a shock, but I'm sure there's somebody who's listening who doesn't know. How do you describe what the committee does? Well, the committee has been around for about 55 years now. Um, We are an educational, informational support group. We help parents make the decision on whether adoption is something they want to do, something that's in their plan. We then help educate them about adoption, about domestic adoption, international adoption, foster care adoption, older children adoption, whatever necessary for them to make the decision on what type of child they're looking for. And then we help support them through the entire process. We are there for them before they adopt. 
while they're in the process, holding their hand, being part of it, and there afterwards, because adoption is a lifelong experience, and you need to have the support all the way from the time you make the decision all the way till forever, really, for there are always issues and concerns about things that the children have and then the family has and then you have about what you need to do in the future. So it's really a case my wife and I have been around it now for 35 years, and issues and things and questions still come up. But um, you learn how to deal with them. You have support of other families. And while computers are great, they don't hug you. They don't smile at you. They can give you information, but they don't hold your hand while you're going through the process. And that's what we're all about, support. Okay. When you talk about what it's like for an adoptive parent, somebody who's considering this, in, well, tw- in 2018, I mean, what what kinds of things do they need to take into consideration? Well, as I just was speaking about last night, you need to decide first that adoption is something you want to do. It's not a second choice. It's an alternative way of creating a family. For many, it's their only choice. But for some, it's just an alternative way to either increase your family or to support a child that's out there and really... An adoptive parent is somebody who makes that decision and then has to learn and educate themselves about the different types of adoption. There's domestic adoption in New York and the United States that goes through either an agency or an independent attorney. There are international adoptions that come from many countries. While it's changed over the years and probably decreased tremendously, there's still international adoptions happening every day. And then there's the children that are unfortunately been in foster care. And there are probably 100,000 children in New York alone that are in foster care. And all of these children need permanent loving homes. They don't want to remain, especially the children in foster care who have been from home to home to home, want a place to go, to live permanently with love and caring and somebody to call mommy and daddy. And that's what we're all about. For somebody who's not been through <clears throat> that experience with a child that's been in foster care, can they really understand what that's been like for the child? Well, it's hard for them to understand initially going in, but through the education that we provide and many other groups provide, like Coalition of Adoptable Children, uh, you got to believe a lot of the agencies out there have orientation programs, support programs that help you get through the process. You don't just decide to adopt a foster care child on a Monday and have a child in your home by Wednesday. You have to go through a lot of training, a lot of understanding. Their child has a lot more involved because usually they're a little older, usually they're over three, probably more like five to seven. So they're aware of their surroundings, they're aware of what's going on. And while they're nervous and scared and want a permanent family, they want to make sure that you understand what they've been through. The loss, the grief, the understanding that at some point they had parents and these parents had to make a very tough decision and that was in the best interest of the child. And you have to understand as a parent that they understand that and have dealt with it and are going to throw things at you like, you're not my real parents. So you have to be prepared to deal with those issues and deal with the things that go in raising a child, but also with that extra layer that comes with that. And that's where you get the training. That's where you get the support. What's that like for a parent to hear that from that, from that child? Well, as many times as we tell parents, you're going to hear that, and that's in foster care, that's in domestic adoption, <clears throat> sorry, 
even in international adoption, you're going to hear that at some point in your life, and you just kind of take a big deep breath, kind of swallow, and learn the different things that we've taught you and how to react. The more you overreact, the more the child overreacts, and you just explain to them that, yes, we may not be your biological parents. We may not have been there the day, the exact second you were born, but we are your parents. We are the people that take care of you, love you, care for you. We'll be there for you, answer any of your questions, and be part of your life forever. So when we tell you to go clean your room, go clean your room. <laughs> take us back, what was it, 35 years ago? Yeah, actually it was, yep. What was the situation like that you were facing at that time? Well, it was actually Friday the 13th, July 1984, that my wife and I went to our good friend's house, Felix and Susan's, and we got an orientation, which we still do now. It's almost the same, except the education level's at a higher level because there were no cell phones 35 years ago. But we went through an educational Oh, shall we say session to learn about adoption, to learn what was available to us. We learned about it. We got educated about it. We went to our first conference that November, and it kind of became apparent to us that this was going to be a alternative way for us to have a family due to the medical issues that we were going through and the emotional issues we were going through from that infertility. It was more important for us to be, which is a key word, it was more important for us to be a parent than to be pregnant. So we decided at that time that we were going to adopt. Our daughter, Helen, was born um, in February of 18, February 18th in 1985. She was home by April. And when we go back to the point of July to February and then to April, we're talking about the same nine months everybody else was talking about. And we were worried about a lot of things. We worried about our family accepting this daughter. We worried about our friends accepting this daughter. But most importantly for us, it was someone that we could hold, cherish, and nurture. And it was nature versus nurture, but we were sure that we could provide enough nurture to make, have this child grow. And now she's 35. She just got married this summer. Um, it's a wonderful guy. And um, she's really doing well. She's handled it all through her life without a problem. It's, it's been really super. She's spoken on many adoption panels and to other adoptees about the issues they've had. And adoption for her is just an identification of where she was born and where she came from, but not who her parents are. Interesting discussion on this topic of adoption, and we've really just started in our discussion. We've got to get into talking about the conference itself. We'll talk a little bit about the different types of adoption as well. The 38th annual APC, that's Adoptive Parents Committee Adoption Conference, takes place next Sunday, the 18th at uh, St. Francis College in uh, Brooklyn. We'll give you some information as to exactly what is taking place that day, uh, how it is that you can get set up if you want to be in attendance as we continue in our discussion. Uh, Sam Pitkowski is in studio with us. He'll be with us for our entire program. We roll until 7.30 this morning, and Sam is here representing the Adoptive uh, Parents Committee. The topic of adoption on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. I'd say my Monday is pretty much laid out that way. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. And, uh, you know, sometimes I need that kind of direction in my life. So it's a good thing I was paying attention there. We are in a discussion about the topic of adoption on our program. Sam Pitkowski from the Adoptive Parents Committee is in studio with us sharing information on this topic. We've really just begun to broach the discussion. We're also going to be talking about 
the annual APC Adoption Conference next Sunday. A couple of things I want to go through and uh, also get into talking about the different types of adoption uh, as well. Contact information for the committee, and then I guess we should probably start to broach the conference itself. Well, the best way to contact us is personally is on my phone at 212-304-8479. But a lot of times when I'm not just sitting by the phone. So we have a website, as everybody in this world today has one. It's www.adoptiveparents.org. You log on to there. You will see where you can get information specifically about the conference. You can get information specifically about the four chapters that we have, one in New York City, one out in Long Island, one in New Jersey, and one up in the Hudson area, uh, Westchester County. So we have four chapters. We have each chapter has a monthly support meeting. You can go to any chapter meeting you wish. Once you join the organization, you then can go to all four chapter meetings. If there's somebody speaking there, provide you with support, networking of whatever you need to go to. But www.adoptiveparents.org. We're also on Facebook at Adoptive Parents. And at Facebook, it's Samuel Pitkowski. So you can find up-to-date information there. You can see a complete list of the 70 workshops that we are having next Sunday. You can see a complete list of the 40 exhibitors that are coming and learn more about our adoption bookstore that we will have there next Sunday. And you could register right online. There's an early discount that we've extended until Wednesday at 12 noon that you can get registered for the discounted price. Okay, a couple of different things based on what you just said. What's it like organizing the conference? Well, as we've said, it's a year-long project. We do the conference next Sunday. We give everybody two weeks off without pay right through to after Thanksgiving, and then we collect all the um, evaluations that we get from this, the people who attend. We get evaluations from the speakers. We get evaluations from the uh, exhibitors. We put them together. We get a plan together on what worked, what didn't work, where we have to increase our level of support, where things we need to do. We then take off probably till January 1st, and as soon as we hit January 1st, we kick it back into gear again looking for a specific keynote speaker and then start to work on getting the workshops organized. And by the middle of the spring, we're um, reaching out to the different people who spoke the year before, see if they're still interested in coming in, and the exhibitors. And it's a little slow around then, but by June it really picks up, and over the summer becomes a constant. And by the time we hit September 1st, it's an everyday thing. And it's right through to the day of the conference. Um, We're working on this. We have several people who work on creating the program. We have a few people who work on um, our printing end. We've had a printer for the last 20-something years doing the, the program who does an excellent job, but we have to get everything ready on our end to get to him, to get it printed, and actually it's at the printer right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a year-long project. You can't. Some of it is automatic. Some of it just comes from doing it every year, but you get your confusing things. This year, as an example, the cafeteria in the school will not be open that day. So for some reason, the gentleman that took over there doesn't like to work Sundays. So we've secured a food truck to be outside in front of the school. You can either pre-order your lunch um, from us right on the website, or you can come that day and the food truck will be outside and serving food all day. Uh, I think it's called Greek Express. 
So you'll be able to like enjoy some real Greek food and um, at the same time not have to go too far. There are some restaurants in the area, but it's an all day. We start at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, people come in and we'll probably be there this year till 6 o'clock because we have an extra special pro- workshop from 5 to 6 about the TV program This Is Us, which is on adoption. So uh. we'll have a kind of special workshop <laughs> discussion about that program from 5 to 6 o'clock that's open to anybody who attends the conference, and it's actually open to the public. So that, that'll that make the day just an hour longer, but um, it'll be very educational for families who sit and watch television and maybe watch that show to come in and hear a true discussion about it. Okay, let's go with that. That show is very popular. Um, I would imagine that is having an impact on the way that people think about adoption. Well, it, it's a positive, and that, that's the good part. There's been so much media attention. All that gets the media attention is negative things about adoption, problems in adoption. Problem, whenever there's some sort of <clears throat> catastrophe, it's never the gentleman's name. It's always he was adopted or he's this or he's that, as though adoption had something to do with the irregularity that went on. And it's just, like I said, it's just an identifying tattoo to, these, to most people. But this show showed that it's, it's love, it's caring, it's understanding that there are different types of adoption. There are different ways to go about it. There are different things to inform. There's actually a new movie out um, called Instant Family that's coming out actually this week about a family who went in looking to adopt one child from foster care and wound up with a sibling group of three and how they handled that and how they went through the emotions. And we've had a preview of it. It's an excellent opportunity for families to learn a little bit more about what's involved in foster care. A little humor, a little non-reality, which is, happens in all movies, but yet the love and the caring and the understanding it takes to raise a family was all very apparent in This Is Us show and very apparent in the movie. What are the different types of adoption? <clears throat> different types of adoption. Mm-hmm. Well, basically there are three three different ways of having getting a child. Getting a child's not the right word, but adopting a child. You can go domestically. Now, when you go domestically, it's in the United States. Each state has different rules and different laws. It it all resides from the state that you reside in, but you can do independent or you can work through an agency. Independent means that you do a lot more of the legwork yourself, but you work with an attorney, an adoption attorney, by the way, of which eight of them are really the best in New York, and they will be at the conference. And you can hear and speak to them. But you work with an attorney who gets you the legalities. They do not find you a baby. They do the legal paperwork for you. They help you along through the process. You get in a social worker who is an adoption social worker who will do your home study, which is required of everybody, whether you be Madonna or you be the local person in your neighborhood. You need a home study to make sure that you're a fit family to adopt a child and understand what's about And then you go about social media, you go about creating a website, you go about doing different things to let your family know that you're looking to adopt and you adopt. There are ways to go through an agency. Many of the agencies help facilitate it. For many families, it's an easier way to go. The agency does a lot of the advertising and network for you. They provide the home study for you, the person who does it. They are your legal representative, and they come out and support you through the process and they get in touch with you when a family is interested in placing their child. 
they present your profile that you'll learn how to make, which is like a resume of who you are, to the birth family. The birth family will make a decision on which family you want to work with. And then it's somewhat the same. You talk and converse and maybe meet once in a while, uh, and you learn about adoption. The family learns about you, and together you make a plan, and 99% of the time it works. And then there's foster care. And as I said, foster care is working again through an agency and looking at the pictures. Uh, 25 years ago, there were books. You had to go into the library, into the agency, and see the books of the children that were available. Now you do everything online. You can actually see the kids and, and get a profile of who they are and what's available. You go through the training, MAP training, which is training that helps you not only deal with adoption but deal with all the issues that the foster kids are going to have, not insurmountable. It helps you get the finances together, which is much less, but it also helps you get together to learn what you will be able to do to support that child when they're adopted. So all these things will be covered at the conference. All of these things are covered by the Adoptive Parents Committee. But those are the three basic ways. The third way, obviously, is international. International adoption is you doing it, as I used to say when we did ours, it's doing A, which is paperwork, and having C, which was X amount of money, and you got B, which was baby. And it's kind of still the same way. It's just there's less countries making children available. Less, there are more children available for adoption, but less that you're able to adopt because of the way the rules have changed and the Hague Convention and a lot of things. So a lot of the countries that you may hear when you talk to people of 15, 20 years ago, like China and Russia and the countries like that where used to be thousands of children coming in every year. We've probably gone in the last 15 years from 20,000 children a year being adopted to about five. But on, there's still 20,000 children out there, but the protections that are made, that children aren't being stolen or taken away without families knowing what was going on, have made it much, more, um, much smaller, much more difficult, not impossible, to do. Uh, many of the agencies have great programs. Uh, a lot of them are still there. Many of them have, fortunately, due to the times and things have changed, but there are a lot of very good agencies. There'll probably be about eight or 10 of them there. And it's such a important issue that the Department of State, USCIS, which does the paperwork, are all going to be at the conference talking about the issues and what families need to do and how they need to get through the process and understand how it's changed. So we make sure that all three types of adoption are included in our conference and our support and our networking, and you just have to make a decision, and it's what I call the 25 questions of what exactly are you looking for, what type of child are you looking for, what ethnicity are you looking for, what age are you looking for. Are you talking about popping fresh, which is what I call it, or are you talking about a newborn, two to five, or over age one or three, all of these things will impact where you adopt from and how you adopt. If all you're interested in, which is perfectly fine, is a popping fresh baby to be there when the baby is born, you're going to more than likely go domestic. Okay, if you could take a little older child, you might go foster care, and if you can take a little older child, you might go international. So it's about who you are and who you think you're going to be, and it's how you bring that child into your family. That's the important decisions that you make now, which will reflect on the rest of your life. You know, you mentioned before about the idea of the adoption attorneys being present. And at that time, I was thinking one thing I think we need to make clear is that that's a specialty area of law. It's not like you 
go to the person who might represent you in traffic court, and that person is going to be able to handle adoption. No, no. You you don't go to your brother. You don't go to your cousin who does real estate law, who does tax <laughs> law, who you know has done all your finances uh, for the last 15 years. These are not the people who will think that they know what to do because they think it's just simple paperwork, and it never is. It's never about that. It's about using a attorney who is legal, who is, understands what adoption is and knows how the process works, whether it's family court, where to go, how to do it, what the rules of the states that are involved in. There's an organization called the American Academy of Adoption Attorneys that are attorneys from all over the United States. Uh, we, have, we know them. We're involved with them. They're an excellent organization who will go out and monitor what these attorneys do. It is not about buying a baby. It is about doing the legal necessary paperwork to make sure that the child is legally yours. Rules and, and things change from state to state, what you need to do, how you do it, how the attorneys know which hospitals are pro-adoption will help you get through the process. They know which attorneys can represent the birth families, which will be pro-adoption. They know who and where and what to go to. If you just use your friend who's an attorney, even though it may be the simplest kind of adoption you can imagine, you will have problems. You will have difficulties. It will take you a year to finalize. It'll take you much more time and much more money than you need to spend. It is much better, much legal, if that's a word, much legaler, um, to do an adoption with the, you know, like I said, about eight adoption attorneys that have been out there. Some of them are our um, adoption advisors in our organization to keep us up to date on where things are because children move from state to state. You can adopt literally in your own state and never leave. You could drive, be in a state that's five to six hours away. But as an example, the difference in the laws between New York and Connecticut are different. The between New York and New Jersey are different. The difference between New York and Texas is different. As an example, Iowa is a state where you can adopt from. But if your attorney doesn't know exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it, from the second the baby is born till you can come home could be up to six weeks. And it's a very nice time to spend six weeks in a hotel and bond with your child, but you would rather be home in two or three days. So having an attorney who knows what to do is much better for you, much better for the whole adoption process. And like I said, they know legalities. They know that you can't pay for this and pay for that, and which would jeopardize your adoption. More on this topic of adoption as we continue. We're talking with Sam Pitkowski from the Adoptive Parents Committee. Hey, he didn't say a radio.com station. What is this? Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Sold. I always get so excited when people say, why? What's going on with me? Sometimes I've got to get a hold of myself. Adoptive Parents Committee, our topic of discussion, our guest from the Adoptive Parents Committee is Sam Pitkowski. He is in studio with us. And we're talking about the work of the committee Talked a little bit about the 38th annual APC Adoption Conference taking place next Sunday, the 18th at St. Francis College in uh, Brooklyn. One of the things that has come up in discussions in the past is an area that you mentioned as well, Sam, but I think bears repeating, and that is this idea that in adoption, someone is, quote-unquote, buying a child. Yes, that, that's the bad perception that was out there for many years that children were on the black market, that there was child trafficking going on. And some of these issues of child trafficking has 
reflected in international adoption that families were buying babies overseas and bringing them here without families realizing what was going on. And this really hasn't happened. Adoption is a legal process to bring a child into your family. You pay the legal and medical expenses that are involved in that. You pay the legal, meaning your attorney or your agency's fees. You pay some living expenses, some of the medical, all of the medical expenses if the medical person doesn't have medical coverage, but you pay the legal and medical expenses for the birth family. You pay your legal and medical expenses that are involved in the adoption, and that's all. There's no fees involved. You don't give the, the birth family $5,000. You don't give them $2,000. Actually, everything that you do with the birth family is done either through the agency or through the attorney directly to the place where they're living. You'll pay the rent. You'll pay the uh, electric, you'll pay those things. You don't give the money to the birth family for them to spend as they will. If the birth family would ask you for money, you would tell them no. So it's literally a case where you're just paying the legal and medical expenses for a birth family for the adoption, and that's all you're paying. There's no fees. There's no black market. There's no buying a baby. There's no reaching out to a facilitator and giving them $10,000 to find you a baby. All of these were lifetime movies. Um, we tell many families when they're in the adoption process and getting into it and doing through the waiting period, don't watch Lifetime movies. Sorry, Lifetime. But they're all about movies a lot of times where families have paid money to get a uh, child, and it's sensationalized, and it gives people the wrong impression that you're buying a child. You're not. You, you're looking to have a child in your family. The child is looking for a family. You're looking to make a match in what's the best interest of the child. And you're not paying for a child. You should never answer the question of what it costs you to buy this child. You immediately should be educating the person who asked that ridiculous question that I didn't buy my child. I didn't do anything of the sort. The child was brought to me out of love and is with me out of love. All right. This takes us perfectly, I think, to discussing the Internet and its impact on adoption. We've had... Involved discussions on this uh, in the past. Obviously, with the Internet, there's a lot of information online that is wonderful, that is informative, uh, that can be educational. And then there's the other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, how is that impacting? How does that impact your work in trying to get the correct information out about adoption. Well, that's been our number one thing for years. I mean, yes, we have a website in this day and age. Yes, we have Facebook accounts. Yes, we do Twitter. Yes, we do Pinterest. We do all the things to reach out to families to help educate them about adoption. That's the world of today. But the world of today, of people taking advantage of other families, of people looking, it is so prevalent out there that it's actually ridiculous. You get... All the talk in the media are about scams of people having their monies taken away from them by someone making a telephone call. Well, it's amazing how many times we'll hear of families who went on the Internet, saw something. Because of everything on the Internet must be absolutely true. Everything that's in a newspaper must be absolutely true. There could be no gray line. There could be no imagination. So if someone comes to you when you're advertising on the, on the Internet and says to you, I have a baby for you, it's available... It's only going to cost you $5,000 of expenses, 
and the baby was already born, you know, we tell families be very skeptical. Make sure you're going through your attorney. Make sure you're going through your agency. Make sure you're doing it. If they're saying to you, well, this is all set up. It's going to happen in two weeks. All we need you to do is send you a check, you know, send us a uh, money gram and you'll have the baby. If it looks like a fish and smells like a fish, it is a fish. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, on the Internet, you can't do that. But if it looks like it's too easy and it seems like it's too easy, then it is too easy and someone's scamming you. Always remember, go to your attorney, go to the Adoptive Parents Committee, go to your agency and ask them what you're doing. Is it legal? Is it, a, is it above board that you can do this without any problem? Because most of the time... It is because they're contacting you. But there are the times and there are the people that are out there that are taking advantage of families. There are birth families who will work with two and three families and create that their idea is that they're doing it. You have to learn and get educated about what we call red flags, where the adoption is being put on as a scam and the birth family really has no intent to uh, place this child. Uh, years ago, families never even met. Birth families and adoptive families didn't meet till the day of the birth. Now we suggest and recommend that you go meet the birth family, that you actually go talk to them and see. We recently had a situation, just to give you the example, that the birth mom was telling the adoptive family that the birth father was not interested, wasn't there, wasn't involved, and that everything was on the up and up and everything was wonderful and that they were ready to place. And when they went to visit the birth mom, They went to her house, and sitting right on the dresser was a picture of the birth father, the birth mom, and their first child, and it was just taken a week before at a uh, county fair. Well, if there's no contact and there's no involvement, then why is there a picture from a week before? Mm. So you have to learn how to make sure that what you're going through is really legitimate, and the attorneys and the people who are involved in adoption can help you make the decision. So again, if you're on the Internet, and someone contacts you, don't just jump at it. Just don't, you will become desperate. You'll think it's the only way. It's the only child you're ever going to get. Someone's going to come to you and say, don't worry about what has to happen in the courts. We can take care of this for you. We can facilitate the baby. Our state allows those laws. Ask your attorney, ask your agency, can I do my adoption this way? And they will tell you whether you can or you can't. So don't just assume because it's on the internet, it's legal because it doesn't mean it is. Because obviously there are people who are going to prey on this idea of somebody being desperate. Absolutely. The families, for them, they want a family so bad, they want a a child and a baby to call their own, that they will do anything there is possible to do it. We tell many families that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. That, yes, you can get it done quickly. It may happen next week, or it may take you six months or nine months. There's a child out there for you that's meant to be yours. You have to work hard. You have to get to that child and make the match and do what needs to be done. But literally, it's a case where don't let the, the waiting and the desperate things overtake your intelligence or take what your attorney tells you to do, what your agency tells you to do. Don't jump ahead of where you have to be. Don't think that this is the only opportunity you will ever get. If the child is not one, Well, let's put it a different way. If the biological family does not meet the criteria of what you're looking for, if they don't meet the ethnicities that you're looking for, if they don't meet the medical requirements of what you're looking for, 
then don't work with that situation just because it's there. If you decide within whatever you do that um, you can't deal with any birth family that's taken drugs, as an example, in any part of their time that they were pregnant, don't think take it just because it's there. Someone presents a baby to you that's not healthy, but you think it's the only one that's going to be presented to you, so you jump at it without thinking in advance of what you're going to be able to handle. If a different ethnicity is not something that you believe you can handle, either as a couple or as a single, you know, we talk a lot about this as families. For families or couples, uh, they're singles. There are same-sex couples that are all adopting now without any problem. It takes them a little longer here, a little longer there, mm-hmm. but then they reach out and get to the child that they're looking for. So this idea of what some would refer to as non-traditional families. Yes. How much has this grown in terms of those families being interested in adoption? Oh, it's grown dramatically. Now with marriage being legal, Mm -hmm. now with assurances covering children through adoption, uh, through the legal plans that are out there, it has made it much more prevalent for same-sex couples, non-traditional families, single families to be able to adopt in this day and age. Um, there was a time where it would take a non-traditional family an extra two years to get through the process. Now it can be just as quick and just as involved as uh, what it is for any traditional family. Um, there are many organizations, uh, just a, the Gay Center down in uh, 14th Street is an example, constantly working with the Adoptive Parents Committee to deal with the issues of LGBT um, adopting and what the issues are and how to present yourself. Uh, we, we just met a family last night that is working hard at this and have their profile ready and are going out and working with an agency to get themselves out there and available to birth families. And birth families realize that it's so non-traditional today. And more importantly, it's so commonplace now. Um, 30 years ago, to have an African-American child with a white family in a school, there was one. There was two, if you were lucky, and you felt isolated. You felt not part of the community. You were not accepted. Your child stood out like a sore thumb. Not today. Today, there are so many more uh, transracial families in, in schools, in, in groups, in friends and families and children. It doesn't make a difference to, and the parents don't make a difference to. And now... The two mommies and the two daddies, you know, don't make a difference anymore. It's so many more out there. It's not an impossibility. It is an open path to adoption. And more and more we see them adopting, you know, uh, children of all different ethnicities and all different types. It's really become such an amazing thing for these families to now have the opportunity to adopt. And many of the attorneys have specialized people and social workers have specialized trainings that they go through with these families so they can help understand and explain to birth families that their love and their caring and their understanding of what it takes to raise a child is the same and able to be able to do it without any problem. So birth families have more choices. Adoptive families have more choices. So it took a while. I mean, I'll be honest. It took a while for me and even our organization to change our verbiage and the way we talk to people to we reach out and realize that two men could come in and want to adopt, that two women could come in and want to adopt, and how this would work out and telling them things 20 years ago that it would be very difficult. And now it's 
you're on an equal plane. You're able to go out and adopt a child without any problem. And we much, much support that in terms of it. It's not about marriages and whether you can marry here or can't there. It's not about the church or anything. It's about two people who want to have a child that they can raise to call their own. And this is the only way they're going to do it. Um, they don't want to go do a surrogacy or they don't want to go do, you know, something where they pay money for a child. They want to have a family and they want to have a child brought into them with love, caring, and adoption is the way to do it. Sam Pitkowski from the Adoptive Parents Committee is our guest on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. We roll until 7.30 when the NFL preview happens on The Fan. And we're talking about this topic of adoption, the annual Adoptive Parents Committee. Adoption conference takes place at St. Francis College in Brooklyn next Sunday, the 18th. Sam, this is an excellent point before we take our break for our top of the hour update uh, to refresh um, listeners' minds on your contact information, uh, some of the details surrounding the conference in terms of registration and like. Sure. The Adoptive Parents Committee, the best way to register for this conference is on our website, www.adoptiveparents.org. That's adoptiveparents.org. You click right on the website. It will tell you to click here to register for the conference. It will show give you be able to print out an entire list of the 70 workshops that we have, everything from infertility to adoption, making the decision all the way up through adult adoptee panels, teen panels, birth parent panels, all the way up to a discussion at the end of the day about This Is Us television programs. So it'll be 70 workshops for you to choose from. You don't need to pre-register for the workshops. You just come that day, pick the workshops that are your interest, and, and go to those workshops. There'll be 40 exhibitors, so just go to adoptiveparents.org and register for our conference. Thank you. That's Adoptive Parents. That's all as one word, and that's with an S, adoptiveparents.org. A lot of information there on the Adoptive Parents Committee. Sam Pitkowski is talking with us on our program on the fan. When we uh, come back from our top of the hour update, we'll get into talking a little bit too about the keynote speaker at uh, the conference this year, because I don't think we've mentioned that thus far in our discussion. We got more to get to on our program. Don't you go anywhere this Sunday morning. WFAN, WFAN FM, New York, a radio.com station. Oh, you didn't forget it that time around. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We are in discussion with Sam Pitkowski from the Adoptive Parents Committee. He's in studio with us on our program, NFL Preview at 7.30 this morning. Sports Edge with Rick Wolf is along after our 8 o'clock update. Football Sunday follows our 9 o'clock update on the fan with Malusis and Deal. And the NFL doubleheader on the fan action today. So this is a very full day of activities on WFAN. And... Um, we have an interesting discussion here on this topic of adoption. Now, you've got the annual adoption conference taking place at St. Francis College in Brooklyn next Sunday. Who's your keynote? Our keynote is Dr. Amanda Baden. It actually took us two years to reach out and get her to uh, be available as this is National Adoption Month. And... It's a celebration of adoption all over the United States. And some people, like doc, uh, Dr. Amanda Baden, are very well-known and very welcome to come and keynote their 
organization, so we had to make sure that she was available to us. She is a transracial adoptee. She has run the St. John's Adoption Initiative Conference. She is part of Montclair College down in, in New Jersey. She is a psychologist who runs the program down there and deals with families who are dealing with families of transracial adoption. She does a lot of psychology in terms of what's available to families, and she really reaches out and grabs a hold of you and talks to you about the feelings and emotions of growing up that way, but more important in this day and age of how you deal with it and how you go about it. And uh, we've heard her. She's inspiring. She has a tough tack to follow, and we've had Dr. Jane Aronson be our keynote. We've had April Didwinney, who was last year, who the people, when they heard her, didn't want to leave. They kept staying there for another half hour. And Amanda, I am sure, is going to do just a phenomenal job. She will be there doing the keynote. And then from the keynote, she will be upstairs in the exhibit area and available to answer families' questions for the next two hours. So it's certainly going to be a day filled with information, filled with going on. Um, one thing I said before about the Adoptive Parents Committee and going to the conference, I wanted to add that when you come to the conference, part of your registration fees is membership. And membership in the Adoptive Parents Committee is for an entire year of monthly support you and daily support. You can reach out to us on a daily basis. You can reach out to us through the website. You can come to the monthly support meeting. So while it's a one-day conference and it's filled with all this information and education and support, your attendance in the conference entitles you to a year's worth of this. So it's not just a one-day thing, but a complete year's worth of uh, support. The significance of the month of November as National Adoption Month was one of the things that I wanted to touch upon. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Why is it that so important? Well, let me, let me tell you. We go back to 1984. There was only a National Adoption Week. That's all they would attribute it to. That's all they would go to. It was a, such a small, insignificant part about what went on. I mean, it was this equal to uh, block National Adoption you know, Day somewhere else. So we were finally able to secure the National Adoption Week, and then we were eventually able to show up with the Congressional Coalition on Adoption, the importance of adoption, the importance of children having permanent loving homes with all the children and forced to care all the children that were in different places, not reaching out and getting this, that there should be a concentrated effort to make it available. During this month of November, many of the courts will set up National Adoption Days within their court finalize adoptions through foster care, finalize and they'll have a whole celebration and a whole day. Many organizations like us across the United States will have different events. They'll have social events. They'll have parties. They celebrate the idea that adoption is not a negative word, but a positive word. As I said earlier, it's an alternative way of having a family, but it's just the way that you bring the child into your life and in their adoption is a lifelong experience that you celebrate, that you don't deny, that you don't hide. When you adopt a child, you tell the child immediately that they're adopted. You talk about it. You bring it up with them. You're there as an involvement. It's a part of who they are, a part of who you are, and a chance to celebrate it. It's not. It's one month that it comes to the forefront, but it's a year-long celebration. You can celebrate the day your child was brought into the family, the day that you heard about it. Besides their biological birthday, there's all these other days to continuously celebrate adoption and make it a positive thing for the child, a positive thing in the media, and a positive thing that goes on. So having an opportunity 
for the President of the United States to declare it National Adoption Month, for the mayor to declare it, for the state um, governor to declare it, that it's National Adoption Week and it's National Adoption Day in Brooklyn, the day of our conference. For these things to happen is an important reach out in the community to make sure that people know that adoption is something positive and not negative. Our attitudes in 2018 about adoption overall better than they were 10 years ago? Better than they were 10 years ago? Better than they were? Let's let's go back to the beginning of time with my wife and myself. The first time we adopted. Wait people, a minute. The, back to the beginning of time? Yes. You're not, seems you're not like that, that old. My goodness. Well, it seems <laughs> the time of our involvement, people didn't know about adoption. You You went around and it was a secret. No one talked about it. You didn't know families that adopted. You didn't even realize it was there when we did our first adoption. When we were able to adopt our second daughter from the Dominican Republic, people knew a little bit more about it. So it wasn't as such a, a shock to them. Now, 10 years after that, it became more apparent. It's more a part of the community. It's part of, part of an everyday way of life. And as we are today, it's now totally, it's not inconceivable that a family has a child in theirs that a family has a child from adoption in their family. You see it in the community. To see 10 years ago a transracial family was unique. You didn't see it. You didn't see it as part of what was going on. You can see it in everyday life, even when you watch television. The commercials have changed. Their father with their daughter, the, the mother with their son, yep. uh, the transracial families doing the presentation. You don't see the lily-white Type of, and I hate to use that term, but you don't see the Lily White family, the only ones that are presented in the media, on the television, in the ways they're going on, that they realize there are alternative ways to having a family. There's alternative ways for people to be together as a couple, uh, whether it be in whatever way possible. There are so many different ways for a family to be formed. There was a book written many years ago. There are all kinds of families. Someday, they, just the way they reboot the TV shows, they're going to reboot this book because there are now so many different ways for a family to be put together. And adoption helps that. It's part of that. And it's the way that we bring families and both birth families and adoptive families together to share the information that's out there. So it's a constant improvement. It needs more. It needs the positiveness on television, which it's getting from This Is Us and other programs and some movies that are out there. But it also needs... To, for the media to much, you know, I'm not belonging the media, but it needs to to bring out the positive stories. Like we're hoping that on national, when your local area has National Adoption Day in the court and finalizes these adoptions for five or 10 or 20 children on that one given day, put that on page one. Don't put it on page 25 where it's not important. It's important for it to be on page one the real because the more people realize that it's an everyday thing and it's a normal thing, the more children that will find permanent homes. The idea of adopting a child with special needs. In 2018, what's the receptiveness to that idea? It's so important for families that realize that children with special needs need a very special family, mm -hmm. one uniquely able to give the time and the extra emotion and love that it will take to raise this child. 
It needs someone who's in a position to make sure that they have the right medical coverage and the right controls, and more importantly than that, the right support that you will need in dealing with this child's issues to getting educated about it. But these children, they want homes even more so. They want, they know how difficult it will be for them to find and match with a family. So we're constantly saying to families that children of special needs are medical needs. Children of 10, 12, 14 years old who have been in foster care all their lives are special needs children. And these children need a home just as much and even more so than the other children that are coming across. Because there are hundreds of families willing to adopt a little poppin' fresh baby. There are only special families that are willing to go out and take these children and adopt them. I mean, we've talked to older teens that have been in foster care that are 16, 17, 18 years old. They're not looking for a family to pay for their college. They're not looking for a family to, you know, help them in where they're living. They're looking for a family to be mother and dad, someone who will care for them on an everyday basis, someone who will be there. And it takes a unique family to pick up a 16 and a 17-year-old and says, yes, I will be there to support you. I will be there. It takes a special family to take in a child that might have a club foot or might have asthma. It takes these special kinds of families. There are special groups whose families only adopt Down syndrome children and take care of them and bring them into and give them the love and the caring. So if you are that kind of family, we can help you. We can connect you. We can put you in touch with the families that will help you get these children and give them permanent homes, and we welcome to support you with that. Mm. I also want to talk when we come back about um, an area that well, I think we think we may have touched upon this um, one time previously, and that is the idea of adult adoptees, uh, too. We're going to take a pause in our discussion in just a moment for a look around the sporting world. We just mentioned, in fact, we're talking with Sam Pitkowski on our program. Sam is with the Adoptive Parents Committee, the 36th annual APC, uh, 38th annual uh, APC Adoption Conference is taking place next Sunday, the 18th at St. Francis College in uh, Brooklyn. We'll give you contact information on that in case you want to attend. Uh, you can always go to Adoptive Parents, that's all as one word, and that's parents with an S, dot O-R-G website, provide information on the organization. At 7.30 this morning, it's the NFL Preview. Sports Edge follows our 8 o'clock update. And football Sunday with Melusis and Deal along after 9 this morning. Hey, it's Carl Banks for Kia. Good morning, everybody. This is WFAN. I'm Bob Solter. We're in a discussion on our program about this topic of adoption. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Football Sunday with Melusis and Deal after our 9 o'clock update. And, of course, the NFL preview at 7.30. We are talking with Sam Pitkowski from the Adoptive Parents Committee and talking about this topic of adoption. I put a thought out there before we paused for our update and messages this morning that I'd like to explore this idea of adult adoptees. The natural thought that comes to mind with that is... It is really a very interesting topic because as we were talking about before, the difference between 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, adult adoptees had no knowledge the children were placed from adopt from birth families to adoptive families with very little contact. There was no openness. There was no. There was working through an attorney, 
but you most of the time you didn't meet the birth families. Most of the time you had no knowledge of the birth family. You had no availability. Internationally, there was no contact whatsoever with the birth family. There was no knowledge of where the child came from. Foster care, many of the records were sealed and they were closed. So what you have is an entire generation of adult adoptees now who exist, who are in the age bracket, we'll say from, you know, 20 to 40 to 50 years old, who have no knowledge of their biological birth. So they have no adoption records. They don't even know, forget about not even knowing, which is an important thing, who their biological family was. They have no birth record of who they are. They have no birth certificates of who they are. They don't know who they are. So there is this tremendous loss in adoption is always there. This loss is ex- tremendously out there for them, and they want open records. And we support their idea that families should have the ability to know as much information about their own adoption as they can. And there was a great controversy in the last 10 years or so about open records mm-hmm. and when they should be open or closed. And people, when you did an independent, you did it on the basis of it being closed on both ends. And they tried to help ease things by making registries available. If the birth family registered and the adoptive families were registered, they would match and all these things. Today, this day and age, it's so much different because in an independent adoption, you get to know who the birth family is, you get to meet them, you get to talk to them. You have much more information for the adoptee to make their past very apparent to them on where they came from and who they were. Yet you still have families today who are adoptees who are 16 and 17 and 18 and 25 years of age who want to meet their own birth family, and they will search out and reach out. We, we have adult adoptees at our, at our conference who will be talking about what it's like to not know your past, which is a very difficult thing for them, and how they reached out and how they searched and found their biological families and did this. And then we'll have the teens talk about what it's like in this day and age where they have the information, they have a life book or a letter, a story. They know where they were born. They know what town they were born in. They know the name of their birth family. They know anything, and they can reach out when they wish to do so and see if the birth family wants to. So the openness can even increase that much more. But adult adoptees are very important in being able to show families that adoption allows a child to grow up and be perfectly normal, perfectly regular, as if any other way to come into a family, and that they can succeed in life. You have many students, some of my friends, children, when they wrote their college essays about going to college and about what it meant to them and where, wrote about the fact that they had been adopted. Some of them have done uh, Girl Scout and Boy Scout programs and, done, and receipts, gotten the badges for Eagle Scouts because they've written a program for children who are young to learn about adoption. We have one ad- child who is a now an adult adoptee who is just finished going to college, and she originally started out as a teen adoptee on our workshops and was there, somebody talking about when she was 14 and 15, name is Jessica, and now she's 23. She's now in Rhode Island University studying to be a social worker to help other children become adopted, and she will be at the conference talking about what it was like to search out her birth family, to meet them, to talk to them, and that now what it's like to go out and want to be able to help other children understand 
that adoption is just a different way you came into the family. It's a normal way. It's an average way. And that you can succeed as much as anybody else. The conference takes place next Sunday, goes from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's at St. Francis College in uh, Brooklyn. It's presented by the Adoptive Parents Committee, the 38th Annual APC Adoption Conference. Contact information, Sam? Yeah, sure. Uh, The contact information is www.adoptiveparents, that's with an S, adoptiveparents, one word, dot org. That is our website. You can go right to that website. You can see the conference registration. Just click on it. It will take you to the registration page. The registration will include a year's membership in the organization. You will be able to see that there are four chapters, that we have monthly support meetings, a newsletter, and all these things going on. So you will be able to come. It's adoptiveparents.org to reach us or 212-304-8479. And if you register between now and Wednesday, you can still get the early registration discount rate. And you can register for the conference. You can order your lunch so you'll be all in one place with 70 workshops, 40 exhibitors, and an adoption book. So we welcome your support. We welcome to give you your support so that adoption can be an alternative way for you to have a family. Thank you very much. As always, wonderful discussion on the topic. Hope for very successful events next week. Thank you, Bob. It's been a great pleasure to be here, and we thank you for allowing us to get this out on the air and hoping it will help families in the future. After our 8 o'clock update, it's the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf, Melusis, and Deal along at 9 this morning. There's a reason to have that radio.com app. Mm. NFL doubleheader action on the fan later today. And speaking of the NFL, well, 7.30 on Sunday morning, you know what's next. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.